Thanks, as always, for listening. In this episode, as the title suggests, Chris and I are going to review the core rulebook for the new Homeworld role-playing game from Modiphius. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm Jeremy. Yay! <laughs> I press the record button, all of a sudden we start behaving ourselves. That's great. I, 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 I just <laughs> listened to that 50th episode where we said we were going to do this every time. Thank you. And it was funny because the other thing we said, we, I, I, you asked one of the goal things, and I said jokingly, one of my goals would be to review Homeworld. And here we are. Which is what we're going to do this episode. Well, I, and I think if I remember correctly, you said that jokingly because you weren't overly confident that you were going to have something in the near term to review. Yes. Okay. And then only a few weeks later, we have we got we have the full PDF. All of a sudden. So before that, though, uh, have you done any gaming? Ooh, look at me. I uh, I this last Saturday night, my buddy ran another session, like a second session of uh, Pathfinder Second Edition for us and we had three of us there and um and i i actually think he he revealed that it's it's part of some adventure path i thought it was just like a an introductory adventure and so i'm not sure how long he wants to draw this out but it's some adventure path where you're circus performers oh yeah i know that one the idea is only a half size one and of course by half size i mean three books I found it actually humorous in, in that, like the idea, like, okay, you're a carny. Great. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe that's why he let you play such gonzo characters. Cause he was like, oh yeah, this is totally fitting with this whole, like, yeah. You're a carny. Although I insisted that my character is, is not a circus performer. He is a carny um, because there's, there's a difference <laughs> there. Uh, and um, he's, uh, he, he's kind of like their their one security guy. Um, so we, we played that. And so I've now had a second at the table experience with Pathfinder second edition. Did you enjoy it any more? This time? Um, it's, it's such a different style of game than I, than I've played in so long. Um, it, you know, it, it, lots of numbers, really crunchy, some really head scratching mechanical decisions, like the place of perception, perception as like, a quasi non-skill seems like a weird wannabe dump stat because then there are other things like investigation that don't exist in the skill list and so we 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 found ourselves falling back to in to perception so often it's yeah. like well if, if you roll in sucky or you have a crappy score in it you're you're just just go stumble around you you're not going to find anything I'm just glad that's why well. it bugs me in D and D that then in fifth edition anyway that there is both perception and investigation because there are definitely situ there's some situation where it's clearly one rather than the other yeah but there's a huge chunk in the middle where it could be either one and like when you're watching or listening to other people play it and you can tell that even they're not sure because there's times when yeah. they go oh do a such and such role and you're like it should have been the other one or where they literally the GM will be oh do investigation or perception. You think about, well, what's the point of having both? Why are they both in the game? Yeah, um, I, I think if there, there, there's a difference. Perception is is picking up, like noticing things, hearing, smelling, seeing, mm -hmm. whereas investigation is recognizing the the potential value or meaning of something in context, like at a site or in you know in some situations. So I, I see a difference, but yeah. Anyway, Pat, we'll we'll, we'll see. I will give. Uh, Pathfinder to some more sessions and I'll I'll see uh where I can go with it. I just I I had one of those nights where I was rolling single digits all night. And, <laughs> and it was it was frustrating because there's there was no economy to to you know fail forward. There is no way to um there's no way to goose the my odds on the front end. And so it, you're just at the mercy of probability, which really worked against me. And, it, and, and in that situation, it just, it makes for a really flat, no fun yeah. session. But anyway, how about you? Uh, I did play a session of Vampire. Oh. Um, I, I, it's, it's funny, and the last week I've started looking back at like, oh, I really want to run a, a League of Legends game again. And I found 
an article, the pair of articles I wrote around Christmas time where I basically convinced myself to not do it because essentially I think I came to the conclusion that I only like running pre, pre-written adventures because I just don't have the time to come up with like a really good adventure. Um, but having talked to people in the various vampire communities, people are like, yeah, just sandbox it. Just use the relationship map you've created and like just run with a carrot. And luckily, because we've done like a session zero, I did have a few ideas where I could go with stuff. And mm-hmm. I basically put those few ideas and then I'd read, a, I'd read a vampire graphic novel. So I kind of took the plot of that, what I could remember put that together with some stuff from the session zero and like just you know i did like two pages of notes and most of those were names uh and i ran a session it was really cool because we played vampire and i think there was like there may have been no combat so it was just like using their vampire powers and talking Uh to people and um you know like vampire politics and stuff and so they, they both said they really enjoyed it um but i was like straight away after that session i was like right i've got nowhere to go now that's it. I use the stuff from the session zero. I use the little plot threads I had from that to then pull those together with another idea to run a session. But that's it. I've run Vampire now. I'm quite happy with it. It was enjoyable. I can't really think what to do because I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm so, you know, so like wait, if I'm wait, playing. Let me just make sure I'm understanding this. So, cause you had talked about running a, uh, you know, some series of adventures set in Vegas, Las Vegas. Yes. So yeah. you just ran one and now you're like, yeah, that's nice. I, I, I really, I think this is the thing. I, I don't have the time anymore to sit there doing stuff. And also it's like something else will always come along. Mm. This is part of the, you know, we've talked about this previously. Like when I wanted to play Vampire, it was about two months ago. And then it took us a while to even create characters. And then having created characters, you know, it was another couple of weeks. I mean, like yeah. the only reason I finished, we carried on with Strad, whereas normally I think I would have just binned it off is because well, I had the book and it was just there and all I had to do was just keep playing through it and sure. we would get to the end. Um, and I didn't really have something else I desperately wanted to play, whereas I've just kind of got, like the vampire was like, oh, this is cool. I'm looking into it. It's interesting. And then it's the kind of thing I realized that I, I don't know what to do with a vampire game. I don't, like, if, if it's politics, I don't, I don't really get that. Or it's the other thing is, it's the kind of thing I can imagine if you had a crazy big party, you know, if you like six or seven players and you could just kind of go, do stuff and yeah. let them let them do the politicking with each other. When you've only got two players, um, they tough. either need to be really proactive, which they are not. They are like, it's the same when I do it. I mean, this is the thing, you know, these are two guys in their late 40s who have been role playing for 30 years. And yet when it comes to getting them to be proactive, it's the same as role playing with Mika and Annie, who are like, you know, a 10 year old and a, and a, and a you know, 30 year old who have, who don't you know right. role play because I like it. They're not, then onto it. So it's all, it's me. I have to come up with the ideas. Um, You've got to, you have to poke them with things to which they will react. Yeah. And in a game where so much social interaction and politics and intrigue is supposed to be at the foundation, even more than action, that's, that's tough. Yeah. So I just, and then it's kind of like a vampire isn't a game I can, isn't a game I'm going to be able to run any, with any kind of thing. You don't have to play your cure albums anymore. Good stuff. (laughs) You're curious, like alternating that and nine inch nails. You don't have to, you don't have to do that anymore. Well, let's do this then. Our purpose for today is to look over in detail, a, a reasonable amount of detail, the Homeworld uh, core rule book. We talked about the, the free RPG day scenario a couple of weeks ago. And then lo and behold, suddenly this thing drops out of the sky. And uh, now we have a book to go over. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. Um, I think I could do maybe, a really, really quick way of reviewing the rules. Do it. Go and get the Star Trek core rule book. Read that. There you go. There you go. Pretty much. There you go. That's, that's, that's pretty much it, with one or two exceptions. Yep. Because essentially some... what they have done is that it's, it's Star Trek. Yeah. It's the Star Trek adventure game with the, the Star Trek filed off and... Uh, yeah, Federation yeah. serial numbers filed off, and uh, and smooth starships with lots of discs replaced with boxy starships with um, bright colors on them, especially yeah. yellow. Yeah, rules wise, that's that's kind of it. So, which will make us going through the rules a lot easier because kind of we don't have to talk about. Uh, I don't. We know we don't need to go into as much depth because a lot of it is the same as Star Trek. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And the 
if you're if you're familiar with the quick start or the free RPG days, and it was just the same thing, um, the the character stats and skills, focuses and talents, all that's the same as what was in the quick start. There are six um, attributes. There are six skills, which are essentially renamed the six disciplines from Star Trek Adventures, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then focuses work the same way. They are they float. Um, and um, and then you have talents, and that's uh, that's about the same. I mean, it, mechanically, it's all the same. There's well, no just difference. One thing, right? I, am I right in saying that Star Trek uses determination? Star Trek uses determination. Homeworld uses fortune, and as we have established from the SRD, which we They're will different. talk about in a later episode, they they are different. Not in how you use them. The how you use them is very similar, but the how you gain them, yeah, and all and um, also the the, uh, the the role there is a uh, an indirect role that determination usage plays in character evolution or character development in systems that use determination rather than um, fortune. Yeah, so Homeworld uses fortune. So fortune, you can get fortune points for like good role playing. Yep. Um, and we use it for the same as everything else. You buy a you buy a critical success, or you can re-roll dice. So that's that's pretty much the same. Um, but there we go. There's there's so there's a difference. So let me do this really quickly, just for folks listening. If you don't have the book, let me go over. I'm just going to scan over the table of contents to give you a sense of what's in it. The book is um, the PDF is 343 pages long. Uh, although there's a chunk at the end of about 12 pages or so of your your typical Modiphius advertisements for all their other games. Starting from the back, though, right before those advertisements, or would you say advertisements anyway? No, advertisements, yeah. No, all right, good deal. Yeah. Uh, two die 20, two D20, who knows? Um, that's the second one. <laughs> it's fascinating. I noticed this as I finished through the PDF. This has the it has a ten page ten or twelve page table uh, index at the back. That's nice. It, it is the most detailed and seemingly useful and functional index I have seen. I think in a role playing game book. Period. I mean, the it's it's like almost it's like two and a half percent of the page count is an index, and it is incredibly detailed. So that's that, that's useful. I think. Well done for this. Um, so of the three hundred and twenty pages about 320 pages of content there's about my goodness and this this is useful this is impressive um history like history society and the galactic community that section is about 100 pages is uh yeah so almost a third of the book third of the actual content page count is background information on societies and cultures and history and, and all that stuff. Um, so that, that'll do people a, a good, good help. About, about 60 pages is starship combat. Well, the 60 pages of starship um, combat and there's about, the starships. So it, don't worry. It's not a hundred, it's not 60 pages of starship combat rules. Okay. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's actually, okay, I take that, I take that back. I will correct myself. There's actually 10 page. There's like 11 pages of starship combat. And then the rest of that page count is, uh, about 50 pages is, is starship creation yeah, which is cool. and it's an index of, of yeah. ships. So there's a decent amount of, um, examples. Equipment section is, a, is about 14 pages long. Uh, character creation is about 50 pages. Yeah. Um, and the core rules is like 22 or 23 pages. And that includes action and combat, yeah, which does have one. Well, there's two, there's two main things that in there, which are not in Star Trek. One is there is rules for actually fighting in zero G. I mean, it's like a page, but still yeah. there's rules for fighting in zero G. Uh, yeah, I think that was, a, and then this has got sort of these rules for social conflict. So he's got these rules for persuasion and they call it, uh, evidence, which is. I guess it's like gathering information. It's just it's referred to as evidence, which is a really strange name to give it. Uh, and there's another one. So there's, there's specific rules for like social conflict, uh, non-combat stuff, which is cool. Um, and I've got two other sections at the back of the book. There is 20 pages of games mastering information, which I will talk about later. And then we have uh, what, about 50 pages. Almost 40 pages. 
about 40 yeah, pages. Yeah, I can't uh, of, uh, of, yeah, of adversaries of all, all our NPCs, which uh, yep. something in common, which uh, I didn't realize until I got the book. And that, that they're all What's human. That? Okay, so we've got the book broken down. Um, let's talk through character creation. I mean, again, the I, I'm talking about just how it's it's done because Modiphius has established a like a life path style character creation system that now I mean it, that's the norm. Um, how is that handled in this? How's that adjudicated? How does that present? Yes, we got world? this. Another one I would call these a pseudo life path ones because if you go back to Infinity yeah. and Infinity Cone and Mutant Chronicles, those were proper life path things. Though generally you had like yeah, that's a good point. You know, really detailed where you come from and think you had these like tables you rolled on for every step of the life life path where things could happen. Whereas these tend to have like one big. <laughs> these tend to have one big career thing near the end that you roll on. Yeah. So um, so we start off with our background, we have a thing called Kith background, which is it's like your clan. You have these different clans. Um, and it details the different clans, and those, those give you kind of, you know, like your, some attribute changes and a truth and a talent. Uh, and so that's your, that's your initial one. Um, and then you have your environment, which is like where you come from on Karak, which is the planet that the people in Homeworld were on before they were, well, not a kind of attacked, and then they got on a big ship and flew through space, kind of like Balsa. But, but well, a lot like yeah, that. Lot um, like it, this is uh, this is Battlestar Trek Tacula or something <laughs> like that. The, the, okay, here's the odd thing though with environment that, that, that just jumped out at me, and I mean I'm I'm vaulting ahead here a little bit, but when you look at the the history and the time periods. It seems to be possible to play yeah. this at different points in the home world history. And yet, if you were already at what Higara, is that what it's called? Their actual yeah. home world that they make it to? Wouldn't your environment as tied to that planet of Carrick I mean, not be relevant anymore? I guess we're jumping ahead from that. Yeah. The, the one thing that confused me is that I, I looked through and I flicked through again and I couldn't see it, but I was skimming. But then I noticed when I read through the, histor the historical or well, the historical period thing section, there was story seeds or like plot seeds uh, in every single time period, yep. implying that like you can play yep. in whatever time period you want. But, but the problem is these environments are tied to that. The, 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 if you're not familiar with the home world world, which I'm barely, I'm, I'm familiar with it now yes. based on what I've read. Yes, the idea is that first of all, there's this interstellar community of humans. They're all different humans all over the place. And one group of them ends up on this planet called Karak because of something horrible they did in like starting a war and being violent and whatnot to other people. And so they as a whole community are exiled to this planet and unbeknownst to them they are disallowed any kind of like hyperspace travel and they forget about it and and you know time thousands of years pass they live on this planet they think it's their home and then as their science and their technological knowledge and their historical knowledge grows they realize that it's not their home world and then they discover technology including a what's called a hyperspace yep. core I don't know what that is, but it's mentioned a few times um, that allows them to jump, to jump in hyperspace. And then when that happens, the galactic community that's afraid of this group of people goes and lays waste to the planet. So now they have to, in very Battlestar Galactica-like style, travel across the cosmos to Higara, their home world. And so it seems to me that, well, you know, hey, I, I want to be accurate here. It seems to me that the story of home world takes place in three time periods on or around yeah. Carrick during this journey and then upon or after arrival on Higara. And yet the character creation options are tied to the first phase of those only. Eh, whatever. Yeah, because literally we only have four things, which are just different areas of, of Carrick, which is a bit weird. Uh, we have an upbringing thing like we have in a lot of others, but the upbringing more is like your background because we've got like artistic diplomacy, nomadic, so that military science, technology, travel and trade so this is more like prof it's almost exactly like, yeah, it's more like professions than upbringing, which is like weird uh then we actually have profession um where we have oh we have we only have three different professions we have command engineering and research hmm i wonder if there are color codes that go with those well we well to be fair if it was star trek the color codes change so 
That's true. At least this could be consistent, unless we have green. But those are those are really broad. Yeah, they are very incredibly broad. broad. The other thing that jumps out at me about that too is the assumption is in regardless of your kith, your clan, and the, the clans have. The, I mean, in terms of their cultural and uh, behavioral differences, you know, they they. They give you some options and some guidance. Like the people from Kith Sajet are often like this, and the people from Kith Paktu are often like that. But then you get dumped into your profession, and the implication here is that everybody in this Higarin or whatever they're called society, they're all essentially in the military. They're all in a uniformed service. Like everyone's in, yeah, in not Starfleet. I feel like it's... It doesn't tell you it, but I feel like it's kind of right. They want you to play like the original homeworld thing. They want you to be, you know, they've they've created this mothership. These guys turned up and it's destroyed Karak, and now you're on this journey to Higar. I know. I wish there was a pronunciation um, guide with all the. They, they're very yeah. fond of double I's, and then like that's it. So basically, you are you are playing Battlestar, and then you know how the story goes. You could do different things along the way, so you don't have to follow what happened in the original right. game. But like you said, you are basically, because that's how it's set up. When you get to profession, you've got commander, commander military, engineering, technical, research, and exploration. So basically, yeah, you're, you, you're, you're Starfleet. Because then it gets even more than that. When it comes to career, your choice in career are junior officer, experienced officer, veteran officer, which literally basically let you pick a truth and a talent. And, and incidentally, those are exactly uh, the same as from Star Trek Adventures. So, you know, if you were looking, which is what, because I know you were hoping this would be like, it'd be a, a generic sci-fi game you could use for Traveller. Now, if that was careers for Traveller, we'd have, you know, I, I'm guessing, I know very little about uh, Traveller, but like, I'm going generic sci-fi. I wanted a generic sci-fi game. I want pilot and bounty hunter and soldier and scientist and hacker and blah, 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 all of those. That's what I want for careers. Here, I've got three variations and officer. Yeah. And uh, and, well, and it doesn't work for Traveler either because Traveler is like you join the Army or the Marines or the Navy or you're a merchant or you're an agent or you're a there's – a, there's a general career field. But then what you do within that could be something different. Like if you join the Army, you're going to get the same basic training package whether you become a mechanic or a commando. Um, this doesn't allow that degree of granularity. Uh, it's very much at what I keep calling the 30,000-foot view. It's and, and then later on in the book, it talks about how, you know, you could either play command staff or you could play not lower decks in like the stupid television show version, but you could play. You haven't gotten the memo yet. I'm sorry. Um, now, Strange New Worlds is the best Star Trek thing they're doing at the moment. Anyway. But you're you're right. You, we've got those roles, and you can later on. It talks about uh, playing, like in the game mastering section. It talks about like you know how you would put a party together, and would you be the command staff of a of a ship, or would you be more like the rank and file on the ship? But the categories in which you would do your yeah. work are the um, same. And then we, I mean that's how we make the characters. So it's the stand life path thing. Everything else, promise. Then we have talents, yep. which uh, they're split into combat command engineer exploration fight medical so our different skills yeah um they've got rules for creation in play they've got rules for supporting characters called cool, but we need them um like you said weapons and equipment which are they're different from star trek because obviously we don't have phases and other stuff and there's more melee weapons um so yeah cool here's an oddity though that i don't know if this jumped out at you or not um there there's no there's no economy there's no overt economy with money or credits or whatever. You buy equipment with these things called resource units, RUs, which that's experience points. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, you, you, buy, you, you improve and change ships using resource units. 
you buy equipment for yourself using resource units and you improve your character using that resource units sense. so well but okay from a from a weird narrative standpoint the idea of okay we're we are sinking effort it could be resources it could be time it could be expertise into improving a ship well you're sinking time effort expertise into improving yourself yeah. so in, in a very abstract sense i'm okay with that but then if you want to have any kind of like merchant type interactions or anything like that it be, you, you i mean coming up with a with a money-based or credit-based economy is that's not that difficult but the fact is if you want to do that in this game you have to create that yourself entirely because it doesn't exist at all yeah, that is properly weird um yeah we've got ship combat ship combat is very i'm not going to say it's the same as star trek because i haven't looked at it in detail but it's very similar to star trek that we have like command and officer and you have a helm actions and like each essentially yeah. each of the different roles that you can be on the bridge has different actions they can do um, and we mentioned this when we looked at the quick start. So, yeah, the main difference is that instead of the ship acting using its two, you know, you you end up having a target number generated from the ship, and you use that as an assist for yourself, in, as in Star Trek Adventures. In this, yeah. So when a when a character does a ship action, like for example, if the sensor technician is going to use the sensors, they use the ship's sensor ratings plus their own flight uh, skill. Yeah, so there's a bunch of different different ships, but unlike Star Trek, most ships are of a similar size. Ships here go from fighters to corvettes and you know frigates and stuff all the way up to these massive motherships. But the rules governing those are the same, which seems really strange to me that like running those would be the same. And then we get one page by fleet combat, and it basically says, um, you know, you might want to do this. Doing, doing this for an entire fleet falls outside the scope of the rules presented here. Now, I'm sorry, but Homeworld is basically the idea of a fleet traveling across space and then the rules for large-scale and simplified fleet combat basically just said kind of half-assed and says give each player a ship um and try and keep it short that's it there's no rules there i looked at it and i i thought because i okay again knowing zip about homeworld and learning about it through this PDF and learning about it by doing some searches online and asking people on the Discord. Yeah, big fleet, capital ship level combat battle seems like that's part of what makes Homeworld what it is. And they give us one page that essentially says, hand wave it. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not even like it's a part of what it is. The first two, because as far as I know, there are three Homeworld games. I don't know, really know anything about the second one. And the third one was just set on Karak. It's called Deserts of Karak. So the original main Homeworld game that made it into a semi-famous game was Fleet Battles. Yeah. That's all it is. The entire it game is Fleet hand Battles. Wave it. And it, oh, you know, this isn't in the scope of this game. Are you kidding me? Apparently not. You know, it's like it's not like Star Trek where actually very, very rarely do you see fleet battles in Star Trek. Star Trek almost always is the Enterprise against one or two other ships. Yep. Fair enough, then. Put, th put those rules in another book. Homeworld won't get another book. Okay, we know that. We've seen plenty of, of 2D20 things where they release the core book, the core book does some numbers, and they're like, cool, we made money out of the core book, and they move on to their next property. And they don't bother making any more books. Homeworld is not going to sell enough because it's just not a name. And people who buy this wanting a particular thing aren't going to get it. Um, and there aren't going to be enough people who are 2D20 and Homeworld fans to you know, make enough money off it. So we're not going to get another book. So the, the fleet combat rules have to be in this book. Yep. And it basically just says, give every player a ship. And then, you know, that's it. There's no rules. There's no rules here at all for, large, for fleet combat or whether it's small or even running three or four ships at a time it's just not here and that's homeworld okay homeworld yeah, is really... about fleet combat i mean like look at battle imagine how a battle star just going yeah we're not going to give you rules for um for cylons attacking the thing because that's beyond the scope of that what it's about fleet combat it's it's a really odd omission um that that stands out to me like and you're right the the fact that a, a fighter operates by the exact same rules now i mean for sake of ease for teaching and running at the table sure 
but um, it it just seems it just seems like an odd oversight, not an oversight. It was a it was a deliberate choice, obviously. Um, something else I'll throw out here about the the starship section is, aside from the fact that some of these things these ships look like bugs, they look kind of bug like to me, or beetles or something like that. For a, a setting that isn't very widely known, um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of art. There were sections where I would read pages and pages in a row and there'd be no art. I have, I still don't have a sense from this book. What is the, aside from big, clunky, and colorful, okay? I don't have a sense of the aesthetic. Like Star Trek, yeah. you can say, Star Trek ships, like once you show someone a picture of the Enterprise, and like the inside of like Starfleet places or a Klingon planet, like boom, the aesthetic is established. Um, even Star Wars, uh, there is a, and, and maybe that's, maybe I'm cheating here because I've got too many decades of repetition with those, those settings. But after going through this book, I, I don't have my head around like, what is, what does stuff look like? Yeah, I, I was, was going to make a similar criticism with the same problem. And my kind of thing was more being like, you know, what, what's a day-to-day -day life look like? Not necessarily on the planet, on the ship. Okay, let's assume yeah. that that's the setting, is that you are on the mothership. What does the mothership look like? What do people do? Do people have entertainment and stuff? I mean, okay, again, I've skimmed this. I might have missed it. But I don't know what the inside of the mothership looks like. I know what the outside yeah. of the mothership <laughs> looks like because there's a picture of it, and I've played the computer game. But you're meant to be in the mothership. So, you know, yeah. what does the entertainment sector look like? What, is, what does a bedroom look like? There's there's a couple of shots that some of them are out of the quick start. And there's shots of things I've seen elsewhere. But there is so little art. Now, you know, art's expensive. I know that. But when it's Star Trek or Star Wars or Marvel or, you know, anything like that, if it's a big property, Lord of the Rings, you don't need lots of art because I can go and look at the right. film. I can see what it looks like. If I'm playing D&D, &D, because we have 30, 40 years of, you know, fantasy art and all that stuff, we know what, you know, okay, different fantasy realms are different, but we know what the medieval type stuff looks like. We know what a castle looks like. And if it's yeah. more Arabic, we know what that looks like. And if it's Eastern, we, we can picture that stuff because we have historical references or we have, you know, loads of art to look at. This, this doesn't. We have a computer game of big ships. And actually huge chunks of this is the computer images of these funny ships and we have so little other you know we have the old pair i'm looking here at a, a science lab all right cool that's what a science lab looks like but that's for this particular kith well what about the other ones because it makes that what it, what it makes me and I, I keep you know i use the term already the thirty thousand foot view there is so much and this is now again the background section is extensive however i think it suffers from the same issue is that it it seems to me to stay at like the broadest yeah. brush strokes, the big picture. And, and I don't know what it looks like. Again, what does a home yeah. look like? What is, what does someone's day look like? I, I don't have a sense for the, uh, the, the person to person of this. And, um, yeah. And so it's hard for me to get my head around. Like when I look at the pictures that they have in there of interior shots of ships, it's it looks very sci-fi. Okay, we're talking like bright lights, lots of white panels, and people in like coverall style uniforms. But the problem with that to me is that there is then there's nothing distinct about it. It's distinctly and obviously science fiction, but there is nothing distinct to say Homeworld looks yeah. like this, and therefore it feels like this. This is how it flows. I have no sense yeah, of that the, the whatsoever. The feel's a big deal. It has the exact same problem in that from that sense that I had with Mutant Chronicles that I read yep. a bunch of the Mutant Chronicles books. I looked at the art and I went, I have no idea what being in this world is like. I just, I, I, although I had a better sense in going through the Modiphius rule book for Mutant Chronicles, I had a better sense of like, what do people look yeah. like? you know, and, 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 and that kind of thing, because there were, there were lots of different pictures of individual characters from different, um, you know, diff, different, are well, they like, like factions, clans, yeah, yeah, the different, yeah, the factions, whatever. That was clearer. I knew like you knew what 
you knew what they were meant to look like because it was like this is the British guys and these are the German guys and these are the Eastern yeah. guys and these are the American. This is like our ridiculous yeah. diesel punk uh, stereotype. So that picture. was that was easier in terms of what people yeah. looked like. I was never super clear on like what you know. No. I was I was always thrown about things like the breathe of atmosphere on these planets and certain things like that. I really struggled with. If you walk down a street yeah. or a thoroughfare or something, what does it look like? And this yeah. suffers now, from the, the same problem. Is, I agree with you. I've never problems. had that problem with Infinity. Now, Infinity nope. is based on is based on a miniatures game. It's a war game, but there is enough art across the Infinity books that you get a very clear thing of on this planet. This is what it looks like in this on the on the mother. The one thing I was struggle with Infinity was they have these things called orbitals, which are giant flying ships, which they can carry people like across you know, hyperspace or whatever. And I always struggle with exactly what them found. But then I, I had a graphic, I had well, a manga that had pictures of those in and which I used. So that was always problematic. But that's like one tiny little element, everything else. I knew what it looked like it was very, because there was enough art that I could see. This has so little art. And I, something else no too, now, where's a map of space? Well, I don't, yeah. <laughs> it's a good I don't think I feel there like is it's one. not because of the way it is. It's not relevant, but yeah, but, but, it but should still, be. Oh, no, I mean, you're totally just, right, yeah. like now, like you know, for example, in the Shackleton Expanse book, it explicitly states that they don't have it mapped out. Modiphius has it mapped out because it's supposed to be a GM and player created like sandbox. Okay, I, I get that. That's fine. But when you open up the Star Trek book, when you open up the Infinity books, yeah. you have a sense of, I don't know. I mean, for me, I love maps. And just having a sense of place and space and relative arrangement just gives me some sense of like, oh, this could be real. You know what I mean? It, it engages my imagination. And I was like, where's the damn map as I'm flipping through this book? Um, yeah, while, we, while we're panning things, I'll go on to my normal... 2d20 thing <laughs> which is me my last big moment about it. um the games master in section we said is i know 20 30 pages long it's it's yep. virtually or well, useless isn't the right word if you've never gm'd before it's probably useful the chance of this being your first role-playing game as a gm is so small then i don't need another page that tells me how to tell a story and how to resolve the rules and right. Then it goes over the tests and all of the other stuff again, which has already been explained at the start. Okay, so that's fair enough. Then, then there's a whole section on the player characters and their different roles and experience. We need experience. We had it earlier, and how to pace combat and all these other things. Craft in the game. I think how to what a scene is, what an encounter is, mission design, campaign. I don't want any like you know campaign design. Oh great, does this tell me how to do it? Um, no, it tells me a campaign is a bunch of ongoing missions. It doesn't tell me what to do in it. Right, so I'll go back. Right, you don't have a sense of yeah, what those I'll go missions back. are. And like you said, now you talked about styles of play. That styles of play is half a page. The yeah. bottom half of the yeah. page shows us some people on a ruined ship on Karak, which is not useful because they're not going to be on Karak. They're on the mothership. That, that tells us, so we, we can see what explorers wear. Awesome. It has this little one paragraph, a bridge crew, master commander, spooks and spy support personnel. That's it. That's all we get. That's yeah. the different campaigns we figure. Now, we do get little story snips during all of the other sections. <clears throat> but like I said earlier, some of those, the historic ones are only useful for each historic period. Yeah, so, so two things, actually three things from this uh, the GM's chapter, chapter nine. Uh, I wanted to point out that the experience and promotion system is the exact same as Star Trek Adventures using milestones, where overwhelmingly you can just... Like your character is like a balloon that you just squeeze different parts of. It's a zero-sum game for the most part that you make changes based on challenging your values, which is odd that this game has fortune and not determination based on the definition of those two things in the SRD, but we'll get to that later. Um, so it's the same experience, or it's not even really an experience system because it's very difficult to build up to an arc milestone and actually improve your character. Oh, now I'm brain cramping because I had two other things and they were so profound. <laughs> um, they were so deep. Having seen the experience, like it's kind of funny that you can choose to use those RUs to improve your character or you can do it by the arc milestones. These milestones, things like this, they always bug me. I mean, like fate having these where you had the really basic oh, one where you just get to move things around and then you had the next level where 
you just get to move things around. And then, oh, at the end of a whole campaign, um, well, you're going to move on to another game. So who cares? I guess I'm just used yeah. to D&D &D where like every session you get to bump your characters. Well, the, the, other, the other thing I don't like about the, uh, this, this milestone system, and I remember in Star Trek Adventures, like I get where they're coming from. However, the idea that uh, it's all based in challenging your values, you know, like you actually don't have to challenge your core beliefs about things to get better at using a baseball bat. <laughs> you know, like I don't have to challenge my view of my place in the world to get better at web design. I actually don't have to do that. And so I think it's a little bit silly to only say like, no, this is the only way that your character is, is going to change. But yeah, same as Star Trek Adventures. I think I agree with you. The whole game mastering section, it's so much of it is redundant. Now, I do think that you might have, maybe, you might have people who come to this game because they really dig Homeworld. Okay, now, wait, work with me here. It could be, let's say I'm someone who played the original game. I played the next game too. I really love it. And in my mind, because it really resonates, I really dig it. I have created more headcanon for myself of like, what's this like? And I have a, I for myself have this really powerful and, and compelling sense of Homeworld. All the things that are maybe missing in this book, I already have a sense for. Yeah. I might not play role-playing games or I don't play them very much, but I see this and I connect with it. Uh, from what I understand, there are a lot of people who have come to Star Trek Adventures who don't, who aren't gamers, but they're they're Trekkies, and so they have come to gaming through Star Trek rather the other way around. Maybe there are some people out there who will who will come to it like that. My guess is that a twenty year old video game. There isn't like this giant audience out there that's just been like, I don't know what to do with my day. I can't wait. I hope someone solves this problem for me. And all of a sudden this becomes their epiphany. One other thing on, on background um, and, and trying to set the stage for this in a lot of ways, you know, cause a couple of months ago I read this, you know, we talked about Dishonored. Yeah. And one of the problems I had with Dishonored was that I, I, I know so little about the world that the book the book didn't do a good job of describing and explaining and then commenting on the world. It just commented on the world. It didn't do those first yeah, two yeah. steps that I needed. This does a better job, but again, doesn't do it in enough detail, enough person-to-person -person detail. But again, if someone came to this who already had that, that sense of, of things, I think that they would probably fill in the gaps themselves. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny this, because this is another one that's based on a computer game of Again, if we look at the other ones, you know, like, so Mutant Chronicles, I never got the hang of because I didn't have any knowledge of the property. Everything I was learning was just from the book and I, I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, Infinity, okay, I'd read some stuff from the war game, but really it was the art that got me into that. Well, Conan, obviously there are the Conan books, but it's still very clearly explained in the thing. Act of Cthulhu is, is easy because it's based on the real world, but we throw all this other stuff in. Yeah. Um, if we look at some of the uh, Dishonored, I've said previously, like Dishonored, at least I've played enough of the games that um, I have a vague idea what the world's like. And like Fallout, I've played a, again a bunch of, and so that's that was easy to just take and run, and it was it was straightforward. Um, but this is one very much. I'm just like, no, I just I'm not. There's not enough stuff in this book that I, you know, it's got the history. But the history just confuses me because I'm like, I don't know where we're meant to be set. Am I meant to be right. set in a game? on Karak or on the mothership or afterwards. It's, There's no information on afterwards, so I guess I can do the first two. But then it just doesn't really tell me what I'm meant to do. There's, there's literally, again, it's the same thing I've moaned about loads of other 2D20 things. There are some story seeds in this, but I just don't really know what a game of Homeworld is 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 meant to look like. Yeah, I just, I, and I couldn't write, I literally, I can look at this book and I, I can't do anything with it because I also can't use it for other sci-fi. Yeah. Because there's not, not enough here. It's, it's humans only, so there's, no, there's still no rules for aliens. Um, you know, what I wanted was I already have a, a very specific Star Trek, uh, sorry, sci-fi world in Star Trek that lets me play Star Trek, but is not good at letting me play other sci-fi because Star Trek is very much its own thing. Um, Star Trek isn't generic. It has a no, very not. particular, this is what Star Trek is. And if you want to use it for something else, it's, it, you can't do that. And I was hoping this would be a more generic sci-fi, but it's not. Again, it's, it's 
It's, you know, a reskin of Battlestar Galactica, which again, if you've tried to redo Battlestar Galactica for anything else, very difficult. It's a very specific property. And that's what this is. But then there's not, so there's not enough information for me to play the game they've given me, but I also can't use it for something else other than yeah, it does it, have ship creation rules, which is quite cool. I hate to say this, but I'm disappointed. I know enough Dishonored that I could play it. And I think, and I think it does a really good job of Dishonored. This is a, a hack of Star Trek, and I doesn't don't even know how to play. Well, the like the the thing was the thing with Dishonored that makes it distinct among all the other two die twenty properties is that whole approaches, yeah. you know, that the use of approaches, which are mentioned in the SRD. And although I don't get, I don't have a strong sense for the Dishonored world, uh, I. I can see where the mood and the vibe and the kind of activity that they're trying to evoke or have in that game is facilitated by the mechanics that they've set aside for this. This, again, it, it, yeah, it, it's Star Trek Adventures for rules. It's broadly, like high competence, broadly skilled characters in a setting that is utterly generic to me because there's not enough call it on the ground detail, nor is there enough information about the aesthetic that I have a sense for it. And then lastly, I'll just, I'll say there is, there is information about, and there are story seeds for three clearly different eras in this homeworld story. I, I think what they, they would have done a better job of picking one. Yeah like maybe the middle one where they're traveling, they're on this pilgrimage from Karak to Higara. They're trying to move from the place they thought was their home world to their real home world. And what kinds of adventures and dangers and crazy things do they experience in their Battlestar Galactic Trek? What do they experience? That's what I, I think what they should have done is provided the Karak stuff, which sounds like kind of Dune-ish, yeah. the desert planet. Um, what they should have done is provided that as this is the background. This is where the immediate story started, but it's this in, it's this in between this, where it takes place. And if it does well, then you, you put out a small source book, maybe PDF only for more adventures on Karak. If you want to focus on the before and maybe then something for, okay, now that you've arrived at Higara, you're on your home world. Now, how does that change everything? But instead, in a weird way, they, they seemingly tried to do everything setting and story-wise, and in so doing, they did nothing. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what to do with it. There's a big difference. There's a big difference if you have an existing and known setting for which there is abundant you know, source material, or you have a setting that is based enough in something that everybody is familiar with. Octun Cthulhu is what I'm pointing at right there, that you don't need to have, you don't need to create a bunch of stuff to say it's the 1940s. You know, you just need to go watch Where Eagles Dare or go watch Casablanca, you know, and, and you, you, you get it. I mean, I think this is, yeah, I find it frustrating now. They've now released both Dishonored and this where they're very small, I mean, at least Dishonored is a game that's been released in the last five years. This is a 20-year-old computer game of which there is very little extra information where we which we get some history and stuff, but we do not get a good grasp of what the setting is actually like. I mean, like what happens yeah. if you did, like they talked about this, this nebula place where these other guys live. What's that? What, what does that look like? I have no idea. See, that that's where I talk about the, the difference between you, 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 uh, Say you're giving someone information for the first time. You present it to them and you define it and you describe it. And then you need to explain it. Like, where does yeah. it fit? And then after you've done that, then you can comment on it. Like, this is how it means, this is what it means within the greater story. Like that nebula, okay, I, I felt like they were at the commentary level without ever defining yeah. it or no, describing it. Uh, so, yeah, again, back to the, the 30,000 foot view and not recognizing that, especially for a, a lesser known property, you, you need to dive down to the yeah. deck. Sometimes. And it's like, well, you know, we always come back to this, the story setting and system. Well, the system obviously is fine because it's still 2d20. We know the system works and the system will do a good job of, of running this. Sure. 
but the setting is 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 vague because it seems like it's quite a big setting and it's set over thousands of years so we get a lot of information but we don't get enough to do it whereas compared to june where june actually i read through the june book and i found out things i didn't know because i hadn't read the books and i was like i thought yeah. june was just all about uh arrakis and no there was all this there uh, was all these other planets and it was talking about all these different yeah. stuff and i was like wow this is cool i could probably well, see, i could take that book and run a thing on june but i there was other stuff there i, I can't do that with this i think that's one of the issues when you talk about that last of those three the story unless the setting is clear you enough can't do it's really hard to come up with yeah. a story that you could say i think this fits in this setting well and then the other question is do the rules the way they're modified do they facilitate the right feel and so back to star trek adventures i think it's a very clear setting the rules are modified to fit the feel of that setting, which then enables you to tell stories in that setting that feel right and work for it. And so my last comment in this, not enough setting information, which gets in the way of me coming up with a story yeah. that I could feel like, well, yeah, this this is, feels like a homeworld story. I don't know what a homeworld story is. And then the problem is when I look at the mechanics, they're just Star Trek adventures. So I'm like, well, it's going to feel like Star Trek. But it's not supposed to be but if it's not then i don't find it between the pages and if it is the hell do i want to buy it for because i already yeah. have a heap of star trek stuff for me when i look at this and i think you know what what are the adventures meant to be like you know like, let's look at other other sci-fi so sci-fi could be about trading well you've said this is not about trading okay there's no trend it could be about yeah. exploration well they don't really give us other planets, really. There's a handful, no. but they don't give us planets we can land on and go to explore. And there's very little mention of the progenitors. There's like, so it's not really about that. What do we have page after page after page? We have page after page after page of pictures and characters who are in a war setting. All right, so this is a military yeah. setting. Okay, right. So it was a military sci-fi game. Do you know what I need to run a military sci-fi game like this? Fleet rules. I think that's where we should stop. Yeah. The, 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 I think that conceptually that's full yeah, circle. That's, that's it. We have a specific, we, we, we have this meta complaint. So with yeah. this, and that is a perfect example of a missed opportunity, uh, that we can hold up as that's what we mean. Yeah. Well, here's what we'll do next. We will talk about the SRD and, uh, that'll be in a, in a, in a very soon future episode, the SRD, uh, here's my teaser for it. I like what I've read so far. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.